evidence and answers. Many of you listening to Evidence and Answers may not know Pat's journey to faith in Christ. Pat grew up in a home where Japanese Buddhism was the faith by tradition. Pat also attended a liberal Christian high school and came to believe the Bible was a book of fables and folklore, like most other religious works. Pat eventually came to reject all religions and became an atheist. What brought Pat from atheism to faith in Christ? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat shares his journey and explains the importance of apologetics in his life and why every believer is called to engage in the study of Christian apologetics. Now with part one of this exciting message is our host, Pat. Thank you, Lord, for our time together. We pray that as we study your word, faith would be strengthened and unbelievers would seriously consider your son, Jesus Christ, and the compelling evidence that there is for the truth of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I grew up here in Hawaii in a Japanese-American home, and so by tradition, we were Japanese Buddhists. And my uncle was president there of the Honganji in Nu'uanu, and so uh, I grew up around the Buddhist temple, but I also went to an Episcopal school, and there I learned about the Bible, and I was taught there that the Bible was made up mostly of stories, mostly they were mythology and legend, unhistorical, and, and not really true, but they taught a nice little lesson. So I grew up thinking the Bible was just a book of folklore, of legends, just like the other religious works that I studied. Well, in my high school years, I began asking the questions that all young people struggle with. Is there a God? What is the purpose of my life? What does it mean to live a good and meaningful life? And just how exactly do you do it? What is truth? Why is there evil and suffering in the world? Well, of course, growing up here in Hawaii, you're exposed to the various religions. And uh, after studying several of the religions, I came to believe they were all based on legends and folklore. And they really weren't historical. And eventually, I became an atheist. And I believe the purpose of life was to have fun and enjoy all you can before you die. And so, I went out to do so. However... I was really not enjoying life because eventually I uh, ended up rejecting all religions. I became an atheist and sought to just go out there and enjoy life. But however, I wasn't really enjoying life because it wasn't long before I came to understand that if God does not exist, life is ultimately meaningless. It is without hope, without purpose, and without meaning. We live for a brief moment in this vast universe, then we die, and there is nothing else. Extinction, annihilation. All that we work for, all that we pursue, all that we give our heart, soul, and mind for ends in annihilation and extinction. There's nothing more. The soldier who goes out there to fight for freedom in the end, it all ends in death and annihilation. The scientist who goes out there to make great discoveries, everything ends in death and annihilation. Science teaches us that as the universe expands, 
it's going to run out of energy, reach a state of final entropy, and everything comes to an end. Everything ends in death and annihilation. And the conclusion I came to is nothing new. When you read the writings of the great atheist scholars, this is the conclusion they all arrive at. For example, Dr. Will Provine, biology professor at Cornell University, states this. He says, let me summarize my views on what modern evolutionary biology tells us loud and clear. There are no gods, no purposes, no goal-directed forces of any kind. There is no life after death. When I die, I'm simply certain that I'm going to be dead. That's the end for me. There's no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning to life, no free will for humans either. Richard Dawkins, biology professor at Oxford University, leader of the New Atheist Movement, an evolutionary biologist, writes, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. So trying to enjoy my life became not so enjoyable. And in my junior year, my buddy on the baseball team, I was the shortstop, he was the third baseman, he said that he had become a Christian and invited us to church. Well, none of us wanted to go, but one day he kind of tricked us and managed to get us to church. And I sat in the back of the church, and when the service started, uh, I fell asleep. And when I woke up, it was the end of the service. But the pastor at the end quoted two verses that caught my attention. Matthew 11:28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And it caught my attention because the God of the universe I saw was inviting me into a relationship with him to give me peace that I had never known and to give me rest. He was saying, come, cast all your burden on me. I want to give you rest. I've never known that there was a God like that. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, and remember, I'll be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And I thought, wow, the God of the universe invites me into a relationship with him and promises that he'll be with me to the very end of the age, thick and thin, no matter what. And for the first time, I began to understand what Christianity was about, what the Bible was teaching. There is a God who created the universe. He created us for a purpose, and he is inviting you and me to have a personal and everlasting relationship with him. And this God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, who died for my sins and rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven and experience an everlasting relationship with God. He was inviting me to share in a life filled with meaning, with hope, and joy. And this all begins in a personal relationship with him. And this is what indeed we were created for. And so in the pew that day, I prayed. I said, God of the Bible, if you are real, and if this is real, make yourself known to me. Well, the next day, I went back to our high school, and after the chapel service, I went up to the school priest, and I said, hey, I went to church, and I heard the gospel, and this is what it's all about. And he smiled, and he said, ah, any religion is fine. No matter what you believe. The Bible is like any other book. It doesn't matter what you believe. No religion is better than any other, and if Christianity makes you happy, well, good for you. You know, but all religions are the basically the same, man. It really doesn't matter what you believe as long as it makes you happy. 
I was shocked at the response. Here was a priest who had studied this all his life, and he didn't really seem to believe in the Bible or in the things that it taught. Well, I signed up for his Bible class in high school just to learn the Bible. And in the class, the priest showed us all the alleged errors there in the Bible. And that most of the stories, Genesis, Exodus, the conquest of Canaan, were really built on folklore and mythology. That there was no historical evidence for any of these. People like Daniel were simply mythological figures made up there in the Bible to inspire the children of Israel to be faithful to their religion. The Gospels, I was taught, was written hundreds of years after the life of Christ. So they're not accurate and filled with exaggerations and legends. Jesus was simply a charismatic preacher and teacher who was killed by the Jewish and Roman authorities because he taught about reforming society. His miracles, his resurrection, they were all legends that developed over the years as the tradition was passed on orally. And as his loyal followers retold his story, they started getting exaggerated and bigger and bigger and added stories about miracles to make him appear great. And as I continued in my science classes, it seemed to prove that miracles were not possible, that God did not exist, and that the Genesis account could not be true. And so the facts against Christ and the Bible just seemed overwhelming. And I began to question Christianity. Was it just another religion based on legends and myths that were not true? If so, why should I believe it? It's not worth believing. It may make you feel good, but if it's not true, it's really not worth believing. Santa Claus makes me feel good. <laughs> it's not worth putting my life uh, in the hands of Santa Claus because he doesn't exist. It's not true. Well, each Sunday I would go back to that church in Aea and share what I was learning in my Bible class in high school and asking all these questions and, and no one had any answers. So after a few months of not finding any answers, I was about to walk away from Christianity. I thought, you know, Christianity has a powerful message, none like any in the world. But if it's not true, it's not worth believing. Well, one day, after school, I was pointing out all the historical errors and facts against Christianity. And my friend listened, and he said, Pat, I have no answers for you, but here's a book that might help. So by then, I was a senior in high school, and I had never read through a book. I was probably illiterate, functionally illiterate. So I said, a book? Ah, so with some reluctance... I said, all right, I'll try and read through this book. He's, he says, it's got the answers you're looking for. And so with reluctance, I opened the book and I began to read. And what I read completely fascinated me. I couldn't put the book down. There for the first time I saw, there was powerful and compelling evidence that God exists. The Bible was historically accurate. Jesus was indeed a real historical person who lived a miraculous life, died, and rose from the dead. My parents were surprised to see me reading a book, probably wondering, what happened to this guy? He's reading a book. I was so fascinated with what I read. When I was done, I asked my friend, hey, where can I find another book like this? And he said, well, go to the Christian bookstore. I said, what's a Christian bookstore? He said, well, let me show you. So we went. And, you know, I only spend money on sports equipment. Suddenly, my parents go, this guy's spending money 
to buy books. What's wrong with this guy? Well, I was introduced to the world of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Apologetics provides reasons and evidence for how we know our faith in Christ is indeed true. And as I read, I, I go back to the priest in high school and began sharing the evidence for the Bible and Christ. And I could see the evidence was able to withstand the challenges that came upon it. And I discovered that Christianity is not a blind leap of faith, but a faith built on solid and compelling evidence. More evidence than for any other worldview or ideology that's out there. Well, I went to college in California and summers I'd go here to University of Hawaii or Chaminade and there my faith was continually challenged and the arguments against it were more sophisticated now so throughout my college studies I continually studied apologetics and saw that the Christian faith had more compelling evidence and could meet the challenges that came upon it but I soon learned that there were a lot of people like me asking questions about Christ, looking for evidence, wondering if there's any solid foundation for Christianity. And I found myself continually doing apologetics, answering questions, and presenting the powerful and compelling evidence for Christ. So apologetics had become a passion. And today the Lord has blessed me, and I get to present the compelling evidence for Christ on radio, uh, in churches and in schools throughout the world. Apologetics, providing reasons and evidence for faith in Christ, is what every Christian is called to do. When the unbelieving world challenges us and asks, how do you know what you believe is true? The Bible commands us to provide an apologia, an answer. First Peter 3.15, Peter writes, but set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So in this passage, Peter teaches us that the unbelieving world will oppose the message of Christ. The early Christians that he was writing to were challenged and persecuted fiercely for their faith. And when this happens, how do we respond? Well, Peter tells us in this passage. Now, he first states, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith, begins with the right heart. Set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Peter commands us to set Christ as ruler, as Lord over each one of our lives. When Christ is the number one focus of your life, then our fear of man fades and we can face the unbelieving world courageously with courageous faith. When Christ is number one, when he is the priority, we have the right focus. We have the right motivation, love. And we have the right mindset. That's why the fear of man decreases when Christ is Lord of our lives. And so each day we're called to set Christ as Lord of our hearts. How do we do that? Well, here's an acrostic you can follow. L-O-R-D, Lord. L stands for each day, dedicate your heart and learn and grow in your love for God. Love God with all your being. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Grow in your love for God. Number two, obey his word consistently. Number three, rely on him. Rely on the truth of his word and the empowerment of his Holy Spirit to continue to live in obedience to him. And number four, D, dedicate yourself to study his word each and every day. You do this consistently. This is how we make Christ Lord of our life every day. L-O-R-D. Well, apologetics is to be done with the right heart. Second, apologetics involves the right response. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Peter says, always be prepared. See, the early church preached in a culture that was hostile to their message. And their message was constantly challenged. And in the same way, we do not preach our message in isolation. But in the midst of an unbelieving culture that views our message as irrelevant, unhistorical, and untrue. That is why the Christian must always be ready to encounter challenges and questions from the unbelieving world. And Peter says that we are called to give an answer. The Greek word there is apologia. That's where apologetics comes from. This is a legal term. It's used of a lawyer in court making his case before a jury. So as a lawyer presents reasons and evidence for his case, when we are challenged, why do you believe? How do you know it's true? A Christian must be prepared to make his defense before unbelievers when asked why you and I believe. And Peter says, to everyone who asks you the reason, the logos, for the hope that is yours. The word reason or logos means a well-reasoned argument or explanation. The Christian must be ready to give a well-reasoned defense, compelling reasons and evidence and answers. Evidence and answers. What a great name of a ministry. Man, someone should come up with that. To anyone who asks how he knows your faith in Jesus Christ is true. So the Christian, like a lawyer, is on trial daily before an unbelieving world and must be ready to give reasons why he or she believes in Christ and why everyone else should as well. The apostles, like Paul, if you read the book of Acts, that's what they did. Constantly you read in the book of Acts that Paul would go into the synagogue and reason with the Jews, proving to them that Jesus was the Christ. This is something Christ did, and this is something that the apostles did following his example. You see, God is a rational God. And because we're created in the image of God, we're also logical, rational beings. We're always looking for evidence and reasons why something is true. That's just natural to us, right? If you come and ask me, Pat, I need a new car. Which one should I buy? And I tell you, oh, you should get a Toyota. Your immediate response is what? Why? If I say, well, I like the commercial. Oh, the song is so cool. <laughs> That's why you should buy a Toyota. Uh, you probably may go, nah, you're, you probably won't be convinced there. Why? You're looking for 
good reasons and evidence why my statement is true. That's something you automatically do. Now, if you ask me, why a Toyota? And I say, well, I've had five Toyotas. They all went over 200,000 miles. Car and Driver magazine ranks Toyota number one every year. I have three mechanic friends. They say they rarely see Toyotas coming in for major repairs, right? That's a little more convincing, all right? What are you doing? Automatically, you're looking for reasons, you're looking for evidence, and you're examining just how good my arguments are. The same is true with our beliefs. How come when we say, well, trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, the unbelieving world says, why should I? You go, well, I just believe. Just believe. It's a fair question that they're asking. And we're doing them no service if we, if we cannot provide for them some good reasons why they should believe. And so your life application is this. Remember this principle. The heart will not receive what the mind cannot believe. Christianity is not a blind leap of faith. There's compelling and powerful evidence and reasons for our faith in Christ. And Christianity offers the best and most reasonable answers to the greatest questions of life. And so it is the call of every Christian to know not only what they believe, but why they believe, and to be able to share that with unbelievers who ask. When you know the reasons and evidence for your faith, there is a confidence you have to share your faith with those who don't know Jesus. I, I see this all the time when we're on the university campus and we go into what's called the lion's den where we present our case for Christ and then we field questions from the audience uh, and we spend uh, an hour or so answering their questions. I mean, how many times dozens of students come up to me after the conference or seminar and say, man, I've been a Christian for years on this campus. I've never told anyone I'm a Christian. I didn't know that my faith could stand up to the challenges. Thank you for coming. For the first time I see, Christianity has the answers and the evidence and can meet the challenges that the culture is asking. Student after student will come up to me and thank me and say, man, I'm ready to share my faith. For the first time I see, Christianity can meet the challenges that come upon it. In fact, it's got the overwhelming, compelling evidence for its case. Just saw that a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm in a tennis league. So I can be around unbelievers, uh, not that I'm any good. But anyway, I'm in this tennis league. By the way, you know, our team, our novice team, won the state. So uh, I didn't expect this. We have to go to the nationals and whatever. Anyway, that really throws off my schedule. Well, anyway, we, we were out there, and, you know, I was with the men's team. And there were three ladies on the other court, and one of them came over. They just happened to be friends that I know. And they just came over and said, hey, we're short one player. Well, one of you guys want to play with us? And so we said, oh, okay, we'll talk about it. And she walked back to her court. And all the men started going, ooh, check out the ladies over there. Ooh, hey, who wants to go have a good time? Wait, who's that girl over there? Uh, I thought I was back in a high school locker room, you know? I was back in a football locker room or something. It was a bunch of old guys. Anyway, <laughs> so they're checking out the ladies and all that. And finally, they kind of pause. And they look over at me and they say, uh, so Pat, yeah, young single man, go over there and go play with the ladies. Have a good time. I said, oh, sorry, guy. I'm married, man. And one guy looked at me and said, so what do you do, actually? What kind of work do you have? I said, oh, I thought you'd never ask. 
So I said, well, I'm what you would call a research scholar uh, and a professor. And they said, well, what do you research? What do you teach? I said, well, I'm in the arena of uh, Near Eastern archaeology. Okay? <laughs> I don't like to say, I don't like to give stuff right because a lot of times it shuts down the conversation, right? So they looked and they go, what makes you want to study archaeology? And I said, well, Near Eastern archaeology. It's uh, Israel, Lebanon, Turkey, Egypt, that whole arena. And they said, what got you into that? I said, well, I wanted to know if the Bible was true or not. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Be sure to check out our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. So if you would like Pat to speak at your church, your Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. Oh